Your faithfulness to the house is going to go towards winning souls. That's what we love doing, right? We love winning souls. Well, I'm up here today just to give a quick synopsis. We just got back from a great crusade in Nairobi, Kenya. Although Pastor couldn't go with us, Pastor has raised up some amazing men of God who have been sitting under him for years and years and years. Uh, one of them is off to my right and to your left. His name is Pastor Rick Burks, which I think you all know here at Only Believe. Uh, Pastor Rick had an amazing service. We had all kinds of you know, miracle signs and wonders take place, and uh, we are just, we're just thankful. We saw, uh, we ministered over 145,000 people while we were in Kenya, and we saw over 40,000 salvations, church, 40,000. Hallelujah. And as I always say, Philippians 4.17 says it this way, that every soul that comes to Christ because of your giving goes back to you. So it's just not Pastor Dosik or myself or Pastor Rick or Pastor Cole, others who the Lord will say, well done, good and faithful service. He's going to say that to you as well. And when you meet literally millions of people in heaven, I think about this every so often while I'm on a plane for 16 hours. And I was on a plane for 16 hours from Doha to Dallas coming back. And I think there's a lot of things you can think about on a plane for 16 hours. And um, I was like, you know, what a great day that's going to be. What a remarkable day that's going to be when you, who maybe have not traveled to Uganda or Kenya or to Brazil or other places, when people tap you on the shoulder and say thank you, and you're going to say, for, for, for what? What did I do? Well, you allowed Pastor Dosik or others or sons of faith like Pastor Dosik go around the world and win millions of souls. And Church, I want, to cheer, I want to encourage you. What you do is not a short thing. What you do is a labor of love that God sees, and God's going to multiply it back to you. And I, I look forward, you know, down the road, decades from now, getting to heaven someday and meeting all those people. We're going to be there for eternity. We're going to have a lot of time on our hands. So we're not, we would be worshiping the Lord, but I think we're going to meet some great friends. And um, so I just want to say, church, thank you for what you're doing and what you've done. Before we show a video, which we have here to show you, I want to just kind of give a quick update on Pastor. Many have come to me, Pastor Cole as well. Pastor is doing well. He's getting stronger every single day. Uh, Pastor's got, you. Uh, as I talked to Pastor Phyllis yesterday, he's got like one more minor procedure we're going to get done. And when he gets done with that procedure, uh, look out, devil. Uh, the devil's going to be in trouble, I believe. Amen. He's, uh, again, I know he wants to get back here fast. Uh, I am doing my best, and it's, it, you know, I saw blind eyes come open in, in Kenya. We saw tumors disappear. I saw deaf ears come unstopped, which are great miracles. But I think one of the greatest miracles that I've seen so far is keeping pastor home resting uh, because if you all knew what I go through and Pastor Nicole goes through, Pastor Randy, I could just name one staff member after another. He figures out ways to kind of get around you, Brother Dave. And says, hey, why don't you come pick me up? And we find out there's ulterior motives behind that picking up. And like, so, Pastor, what you do? Like, oh, what? Like, pastor, you're not supposed to do it. I, well, I know, Brother Eric, but, you know, it's, it's okay, right? No, Pastor, no, it's not. So I know you're watching me, Pastor, so I'm kind of telling you a little bit. But uh, it is a miracle that Pastor is resting because he's got to get his body back to 100%. That's what we're all telling him to do because this is not a sprint. This is a marathon, Amen. And I believe a pastor gets the rest he needs. He's got 20, at least 20 strong years of ministry ahead of him. He'll be gracing this pulpit once again, and he'll be traveling the world. But uh, he wanted me to tell you, I met with him yesterday. He wanted me to tell you how much he loves you. He appreciates the prayers. He appreciates your patience as well because he, he misses you as much as you miss him. And Pastor Phyllis says the same thing. You know, she's by his side 24-7. So when, when he's not here, she's not here because she is taking care of Pastor as well. So thank you for your grace in that. 
And uh, I just want to make one more mention. I, I'm taking more time than I thought. I'm sorry, Pastor Nicole. Uh, we have a great pastor friend here. Um, he and his wife, I've known this couple literally, I think, close to 25 years. Uh, pastor Roberto Martins DeSalle and his wife, Pat, if you would, Pastor Roberto, Pastor Pat, you just wave, stand up, if you would, say hello. Uh, this is a great pastoral couple from Campinas, Brazil. Uh, they have 36 churches in the nation of Brazil. Pastor Dosik and I have been down there numerous times ministering for him. Uh, he is a wonderful uh, man of God. He and his wife, they do so much for the kingdom. We also have Pastor Leo, Pastor Wagner. If you would stand up and just wave at them. They're also from Brazil. If you get a few moments after service, just say hello to them. Um, uh, Pastor Roberto, Pastor Pat speak fluent English. Pastor Leo and Pastor Wagner, a little English, so if they... Just smile, not at you. Don't take that the wrong way. They don't quite comprehend what you're saying. They're probably just being very gracious, okay? But I want to acknowledge them because of what they've done. This man has won millions of souls in his own right in the nation of Brazil. Uh, when the biggest ministries will come to Brazil, they ask him to interpret. I can name one name after another that you all would recognize, but I have the greatest respect for Pastor Roberto and Sister Pat. You know, the two have become one, and one couldn't do it without the other. Uh, they're building a church in North Carolina now. It's just uh, it's amazing to see what God's doing. So, all right, I'm done talking, sharing all these things. So let me do this right now. Let's go ahead and show a great video that God helped us accomplish in Nairobi, Kenya. And then Pastor Rick and I are going to talk for just a few more moments. Hallelujah. We are going to make the devil mad tonight. His hardship over you is broken tonight. And in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of them in Jesus' name. I have difficulty seeing since birth. Tonight, after prayer, let this touch Jesus. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! He's been deaf in his left ear for 15 years, but tonight the Lord has touched him. He can hear. Ebo sikia, sikia, sikia. Uyo kusikia lake moja ni akakumi na mitano amekuwa siki. Is there someone tonight that ha that is blind in one and have a relationship with God. How many people still want that? I need you to come up here right now.
as I mentioned, you got a chance to see Pastor Rick, one of Pastor Joseph's Son of Faith that was there that night. Pastor Rick, with that night we were there, we saw so many great miracles. We saw you just, we're showing you just a couple. We could be up there showing you for the next 30 minutes through an hour, more miracle after another. But Pastor Rick, what, would you, what were your thoughts about Kenya? What do you think was most unique? What, what miracle stood out to you? Um, the fact that the, the woman with the, the blind eye, we didn't have to lay hands on her. All we had to do was decree and declare the word of God, and that woman got her healing. She, she, she came running. Yeah, amen. She, 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 she came running up to the front, and, you know, I'm, I'm ready to lay hands on her, you know. And the usher's like, no, she's healed already. And, and, and I, I, you know, there was just so many, you know, miracles like that. And then seeing the sons that Pastor Dosek has, has, has risen up in faith. I mean, and I, I think we're all sons and daughters, you know, uh, of Pastor. And, and just seeing them being used in different ways. You know, everybody had like a, a different way of bringing the word. And, and I, that really touched me. And I think we're all representatives of that. You know, God uses you in a different way than he might use me. But it is effective. I mean, one guy had a had a lamb and had a machete. Had a machete. Yeah, it was pretty pretty intense there for a while. We had the crowd gasping as as uh, we did um, uh, Abraham Isaac uh, reenactment. So we had firewood and we had the little boy lay down on the firewood and then we had a real lamb. And then we had the man who was playing Abraham really getting into part. I thought a little too much. I was a bit concerned myself. Thinking security, please don't take him out. He's okay. He's one of us. You know, don't shoot him right now. And uh, he literally got the thing up here, and then, of course, the angel stepped in right in the right time. I was so happy to see that. Stepped in, took Abraham back. We got him off the altar, and the crowd went, just erupted in praise. And that night had a great altar call as well. But it was a lot of symbolisms that we, that we shared there, and it was, it, was, it was just powerful. As you mentioned, uh, wonderful men of God that each have different anointings, different giftings, but all have miracles following their ministry. And every night we'd see 6, 8, 10, 12,000 people come to Christ. Uh, the altars were filled. We saw so many uh, unique miracles. I remember a woman who came to me. I was interviewing on the side. She had, she had been in an accident when she was like four. She was, of course, 30 years of age. For 26 years, she lived with pain for 26 years every day of her life. That night, God took it away instantly. And then we had a woman who had a tumor in her stomach for seven years. And that very night, it wasn't a progressive. It wasn't working in miracles. It disappeared that very night. And we saw deaf ears for 15 years, blind eyes for 10, 12, 13 years. Uh, it, was, it was powerful. And then we got a chance to minister to pastors, which I think one of the greatest things we can do when we go to these, these nations is not only do we want to pull the nets and win lots of souls and demonstrate the miraculous, but we want pastors to do the exact same thing. So we had 1,200 pastors there for four days where Pastor Rick and other sons of faith just poured into these guys. And I was getting reports already that following Sunday of People doing miracle services and miracles taking place. So I love seeing Pastor Dosik being duplicated through Pastor Rick and others, plus thousands of other pastors all over the world. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And it's, it's interesting. You don't know the effect that you're having on, on not just a people but a nation. Right. We were in the, the slums. Yes, of Nairobi. Of Nairobi. And, and listen, I grew up. I grew up in a rough area. Uh, that had nothing on where we went. But to see the people come out, 
I mean, people want a touch from God. They need a touch from God. And to have nights where there was 30,000 people out there, you know, in the middle of a city. Just standing know. up and traffic going by. And we were, we were surrounded by high rises, right? Eight, yeah. eight stories, 12 stories high. And you would see 8, 10, 12 people sitting on a balcony listening to gospel. When, they, when the altar call went forward, you'd see hands going up. Of course, they couldn't come to the altar. But it was, it was amazing. The population that we were in was just, there were just thousands and thousands of people right around us. And it was, it was uh, wonderful just pulling the nets in that way. And then we also had two amazing children's crusades. Unfortunately, Pastor Randy couldn't go with us, but we had put together some meetings. We got a chance to minister to a little over 20,000 children as well in this crusade. And just, I think about how that's going to raise up maybe the next evangelist, the next prophet, the next teacher, right, in that nation. And, of course, we got a chance to bless them with gifts and share the gospel. Thousands of children received Christ as well. So, church, I just want to say thank you once again for what you're doing. You know, again, these are not small meetings. These are not just little glimpses on the radar. We're doing all we can to win as many souls as we can. And uh, you have a big part in it. So thank you so much for doing it. Amen? Thank you so much for your time. Well, without any further ado, we have Pastor Nicole coming to teach on miracles and healing today. So I think this fits in well. Pastor Nicole, it's all you. Come on, just, just take a moment. Lift up your hands. Just one word and everything changes. Because I'm captivated. We'll never be the same with just one word. Father, we just give you ourselves today. You know, Father, it said that they were healed by the declaration of your word. Father, you sent your word and healed our disease. Spiritual, physical, mental, emotional disease. Father, you are not just a healing God, but you are the healer. Father, we seek the healer. We look forward to that touch, to that word, to that moment in time where faith is released and you as healer shows up. Just one touch, everything changes. With our lives we're captivated. We'll never be the same because of your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just give you this day. We just thank you, Lord, for this moment. And God, I just thank you that you would prepare the hearts of the believers and unbelievers here today, Father, to receive your word. Father, that it would go forth. Father, it would come out like a hammer. Father, and break up the fallow ground, Father, and shove through our nation. Father, from this community, little Bakians, Father, that as the word is sown like a hammer, Father, that the verbiation would go out through our city, through our state, and into this nation, and into this world. Father, that we're not making a difference just in the heart of the people present, God, but we're making a difference in the heart of the nation in the name of Jesus. Father, that we believe for salvations. Father, we take the Great Commission to heart today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I sense God's doing something bigger than just only believe. He said, build his church. Not build this man's kingdom. Not build a kingdom in Walpock. Not build a kingdom in Lima. But build my church. Amen. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Well, we're going to continue our series on healing. Couldn't think of a better way to follow up that video. But in the few past weeks, if you've not been present, we've been talking about some very general things. The first one we discussed was what causes sickness? What and who causes that sickness? Not every sickness that we face is the devil. But there are things that there are natural laws in your and I's life that if we don't take to heart, we can bring sickness upon ourselves. The next week, we were reminded that it was the Lord's will to heal. We proved through Scripture that it's not His will to heal some. It's not His will to heal only the rich, but it's His will to heal all of us. Amen. Come on, someone say all. God came to heal us all. And that's what his word said. And last week, Pastor Randy brought a message that talked about the, the, the Jewish people leaving Egypt and coming into the wilderness because they were delivered out of Pharaoh's hand. But in order to do that, they were given very specific instruction. They were told to get a lamb. They were told to put the blood on the doorpost, put the blood over you and eat the lamb and put him in you. And by the way, get ready with the clothes you're going to wear to leave Egypt. And at that moment, when they put the blood over the doorpost and put the lamb in their body, which is a representation of when you and I drink in communion the blood of the lamb as a symbolic nature and eat the bread of his body that you and I are healed. Not one Jewish person that walked out of Egypt was sick. There was not one sick among them. Why? Because the blood of the lamb had been put over them and the lamb of God had been come in them. Not only were there no sick among them, but every provision, every sole of every shoe, every pair of clothing did not wear out for the next 40 years. I'm here to remind you today that the cross was not in vain, that the cross is here for you and I, that the blood has been poured over us, that the body of Christ has been set for you and I, and he's in us today. And that provision for you and I, not just for forgiveness, but for healing has been wrought for all of mankind. If you can perceive him as the healer, then you can receive everything he has for you. But your perception of the cross in Christ is everything. Because if you think he only heals some, then you might not be the some that get healed. As you perceive the Savior determines what you will receive from him. Amen. So today we're going to begin our message in Mark, the second chapter, and I'm just going to tell you, get ready. If you don't like to read, that's okay. I'm going to read it for you, but we're going to read the word of God because it's not just a story. It's the living word of God in you and I. And as we hear it, it goes into our hearts and into our minds and it begins to transform us and it changes us. Amen. His word will not return void. And it builds faith in you and I. Oh, let's read. Math, Mark, the second chapter, verse 1. It says, A few days later, 
When Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. What did he preach? The word. The word heals. He didn't preach his ideas. He didn't preach the latest book he had read. He preached the word. He sent forth God, sent forth his word, Jesus, the son of God, who was the living word and healed their disease. So men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat that the man was laying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, hmm, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up. Take up your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God by saying, we have never seen anything like this. Now notice, this was a physical sickness. He was paralyzed. This wasn't emotional. This wasn't mental. He had a physical sickness that he could not walk, or we would assume he would not have been carried there by four, I would assume, friends. By the way, this would be a good lesson for all of us. If your friends aren't getting you to Jesus, you might need a pack of new friends. I'm just saying, blind Bartimaeus had some friends around him that told him, shh, sit yourself down, sit yourself down. They don't need to hear you. But blind Bartimaeus cried out all the louder, Lord, have mercy on me right? And got the Lord's attention with his faith. If you've got friends telling you to sit yourself down, if you've got friends saying that, well, you just need to hang on a little bit longer, you need to cope. You need to cope with what you got going on. You know what? It's time to get some new friends. Get some friends of faith about you. Surround yourself with people that are going to carry you to the feet of Jesus to get you what you need. Amen. He said, son, you are forgiven. He proceeds to go on with the struggle with these teachers. But he, the whole point of this was to say, which is easier for the son of man to forgive or to heal? The same thing Pastor Randy was talking about last night, that we or last week, we often take the blood in communion and accept the forgiveness like that, like that. But all of a sudden, when it comes to healing, we begin to struggle in our faith, literally, single-handedly, one story of the Bible, one story we are shown 
the faithfulness of Jesus and his authority. Listen, when you and I get saved, when we confess the Lord as our Savior, ask him to forgive us of our sins, when does it happen? It's faster than the digital world. You don't have to wait three days for it to get up to the Lord's office for him to take the paper and, oh, get out the big Lamb's book of life. Dust flies off. He's like, oh, let's see. Where's this guy's name at? It doesn't take time. It's that fast. You are immediately saved and forgiven of your sin. That's the way healing can work as well. If you can perceive it to be you. But if you don't want to receive that and you think God's just putting this sickness on you for the rest of your life and you just have to learn a lesson, get learning. I'm just being honest with you. This was physical healing and spiritual forgiveness all in one. Spiritual forgiveness, a spiritual wholeness came to this young man's life as well as a physical healing. Psalms 103, 1 through 3 says... Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not. Forget not all my benefits. Not forget salvation. Not just forgive forgiveness of sin. Forget not all of my benefits that I have for you who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who heals all your diseases. People of the Most High God, I'm here to remind you to remember, remember today his benefits. Remember, have we forgotten? Have we forgotten that if we will reach out and cry out, call out to the healer that he is the healer? Have you and I forgot? that there was not one sick among them. Not one sick among them. Not even one who could hide in a trailer in the little, with the straw over them, behind the donkey. There wasn't one sick among them. Oh, that we would be the church of the Almighty God and take an inventory and say how many of us are sick and there would not be one hand raised among us. Because we believe, we believe that with God, all things are possible. Only believe, no, no, church, only believe, I tell you, all things are possible. If you will believe, there is nothing, nothing that is stronger than the power of God. Nothing, no force, no devil from hell can stop you. If you will believe when you pray, you received. He is still saving people today, every hour of every minute of every month of every day. If he's still the Savior, then he is healing every hour, every day, every week, every year. He has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. For you and I, the same healing that we read in the scripture is the same healing for you and I. There is physical healing for you and I. We must believe it, and it's time that you and I stop patty-caking around and believe it and receive that which God has given to you and I. Amen. Mark 5, 21. We're going to read 
a couple miracles of the 37 in the Bible today. It says, this was about, all of these, we're going to stay right here in this fifth chapter. We're just going to keep going. There's a lot of good miracles in here. But this is one of my favorites. And I think that it's important. This, a lot of these miracles are told in multiple gospels. So if you hear me say something that is not in this scripture, I promise you I've looked it up in another gospel. And you can go home and look it up and make sure that I'm not lying. And that will do you some good this week in your homework. <laughs> but here's what it says. We're going to start in Mark. I thought it gave the most detailed version. It says, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with, earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. Here's what I want you to note about just what we've read, is that it would appear that Jesus was walking on his way. We never heard that he was running. We never heard that he was sprinting to where he needed to get to go, because I don't think Jesus was in a hurry. Now, if I had been Jairus in that, I'd have been, come on, Lord, let's get about the business. She's dying, right? But it said, I just think that Jesus was very calm about where, well, come on, Jairus, let's go find your daughter. And I think he began to walk. But here's what it said. This, this is what this says to me. God's timing is not always ours. See, our desperation doesn't move God. Your, I'm going to be honest with you. When I say cry out to God, I don't mean cry. I mean cry with your vocal cords. God, I need a touch. I'm not saying that it's wrong to cry. I'm not saying that in front of the Lord. I think that's fine. He's compassionate, but he is not moved by your tears. He's not moved by your anger in the situation. He's not moved by your frustration. He's definitely not moved by desperation. He's moved by our faith. He's moved by our faith. And sometimes I think we get that confused when we're in the fight especially a fight for our life when someone that we love is dying, we begin to cry out from the wrong source and it's desperation instead of crying out from the faith that's within us and asking God to move on our behalf. So just remember, God's timing is not always yours. He wasn't worried about the time because Jesus knew that raising the dead daughter would be the same as praying for a sick daughter. Come on, come on. Doesn't that, doesn't that make sense? He's not in a hurry. It's the same thing to him. If salvation is healing, then healing is healing. Not different degrees of healing. Healing is healing. It's all from the healer. Amen. So let's continue on to 25th verse. It says, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Make a note of that. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all, someone say all, 
she had. So she was also broke. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Now I'm just going to be honest with you. You would have thought that by seeing doctors, they would have been able to give her some hope. Some, some coping methods, maybe some medicine or some medicinal herbs that would have been able to help her. But nope, she grew worse and she had spent everything she had. So not only, hmm, let me remind you this. Every time we go to a physician, I want you to know what they call themselves. We are practicing physicians. Now listen, Everyone knows what we've just been through. And I am so thankful for doctors. I am, this is not a degrade on doctors. But what I'm telling you is there are certain, certain circumstances in your life that you're going to face that the doctor is going to do all a doctor can do. And when the doctor can do no more, there is no hope left except to go to the great and mighty physician who we know can restore all things. The problem is sometimes we go to the physician first before we go to the great and mighty physician who already knows how you've been made, knows what test is already been done because he knows what's happening in your body and knows how to lead and guide and what's happening. Don't ever put your faith and your trust in a practicing physician without entrusting the great physician to lead and guide that doctor's eyes, ears, thoughts, hands before surgery, you name it, you let the great physician push him to where he needs to go. I'm telling you, there are words of wisdom that will come out of every doctor's appointment you've ever had, and God will help lead you. But I'm telling you that one day, each and every one of us will face a situation that there is no one on this earth, no lawyer, no attorney, no nurse, no doctor, no food bank, no electric company can fix your problem, but only the almighty God himself can come down and remedy your situation. And the quicker you and I get comfortable asking the almighty God to intervene in our situation and stop looking for man to fix it, for man to redeem it, for man to restore something that was never meant to be restored by man, we're going to continue to circle and circle and circle like the Israelites did in the wilderness. We must become fully dependent and trust in our Savior. Amen. Okay, she was poor. She was dejected. It would appear in this situation that maybe Jairus, who was a synagogue leader, would have held some type of precedence to this woman who had been hiding, dejected, poor, didn't have two cents to run together. It said she had spent all she had. And it would, it would appear like that he would have more precedence and he would get what he needed first. But see, that wasn't Jesus. Jesus didn't care that she was unclean. He didn't care anything about the situation. When we read in verse 27, look what it said. When she, hmm, 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 hmm. When she what? When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I'll touch his clothes, I will be healed. Not I might, not in five days. Remember when I just talked to you about your perception of the Savior determines what you will receive. Listen, this woman came with a plan. 
She was ready to touch Jesus and she knew, I don't even need him to see me. I don't need him to lay hands on me because I'm unclean in this culture. And anything that I touch will also be deemed unclean. But how many of you know that when she touched the Savior's cloak, come on, when she touched that which was clean, he didn't only just remove the infirmity, but he removed her sin. That which was unclean was now made clean by the Lamb of God himself. Amen. He wasn't clean. He didn't turn into a bleeding vessel. He became the healer and dried up what was happening in her. Woo! I'm telling you, it said that immediately, immediately, someone say immediately. Immediately, immediately when she touched his cloak, immediately, she was made whole and clean. Oh, but Jesus isn't done yet. He's not done, see, because he knew there was more than a physical healing that needed to be done. He knew that he didn't just come to heal her physical sickness. He didn't just come to heal the female problem that she was struggling with. He didn't just come to deal with her indecency. He said, I'm going to take care of all of it. I've come to rescue her because I am the complete package of healing. I don't bring just a part I complete what I came to start. Amen. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. Amen. Your faith is in the work this morning, right now. There's some of you that are going, oh, I've never thought like that. I've never thought. You know what that is? That's your faith bursting forth in front of you. That's the flourishing of that faith. It's growing up. It's coming up. You want to know why? Because there's something in your life that God wants to get to. He wants to restore it. He wants you to seek him as the healer in every area of your life. Not leave these hidden parts that you don't want to deal with because you're fearful. Because you know what? He's the healer of fear. He'll remove your fear. Perfect love. His love for you, which is made perfect, will cast out every fear. Every fear of failure. Every fear that he won't heal you. Every fear that he doesn't love you enough to heal you. That's not the God that we serve. He comes for complete healing. Let's read 31. It says, at once, uh, because she thought she was freed from her suffering, uh, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Who? You see people crowding against you. His disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear. Why do you believe she was trembling with fear? Because she had taken a chance of coming out of the wilderness where she was supposed to be. She was unclean. Anything and everyone she touched on her way to Jesus was now unclean. She was scared of being seen. She was scared of what the crowd would think. She was scared of the people who had mocked her and said, get out of here, get out of here, you're unclean. Some of them, by the way, might have been Christians. I don't want to be around her. I just don't like it. I don't like that she comes in like sick like that. She needs to take those wounds and wrap them. Can you imagine someone with leprosy? 
in your area. To us, that would be something like today's, like MRSA, right? Right? You don't even want to be around, oh, don't go around those people. They got MRSA. Oh, gosh, I can't believe she was in here. She was just around that person. Oh, my gosh. She was broke. She was shamed. She was physically healed, but emotionally she approaches Jesus trembling, trembling in fear, fear of what people would say, fear of what people thought. And she told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Daughter, the only record where Jesus looks at a girl and calls her daughter. She had been noticed by the Messiah himself. Every bit of emotional brokenness she had ever felt in that moment, every bit of shame, every bit of timidity, every bit of insecurity because of what the devil had done to her for as long as he had, she could now raise her head high. He called me daughter. And now I'm not emotionally broke no more. It doesn't matter what your youth said to you. It doesn't matter what your father yelled at you. It doesn't matter that they called you a bunch of bad names in your life. It doesn't matter what your boss said that you should be. Should, could, would, all those shame words, all meant just to make you feel less than. It's time that we see God as the emotional healer and that one touch can erase a childhood of bad memories. One touch, one word of the Savior, amen, can erase gender dysphoria. Come on. One touch and just one word can erase the emotional brokenness and memory of molestation and rape. Just one. Just one. It's a lie that you have to live with the damage. It's a lie that you have to live in emotional brokenness. Jesus came and healed her physically and said, oh, but wait. Someone touched me. Where is she? Where is she? I know she's here. I know it. I felt the power leave me. Where is she? And out of the dark she came, and into the light she remained. Amen. Gosh, God's here to heal emotional brokenness. God meets us right where we're at. See, he didn't touch her like he had done to the others. He didn't pick her hand up and say, arise. He didn't do anything like he had done with any other miracle to her. He allowed her timidity, her shame, to reach out and grab him not even touch his body. Just a piece of clothing he had on. God meets you and I where we're at for our healing. He knows right how we need it. He brought her out in front of everyone and restored her worth. Her worth. Amen. How many don't think you're worthy in this house today? That just one word from the Messiah in front of everyone could change it. Take on his word and what he thinks of you. Begin to speak his life and you will be worthy in your own mind. Because in his, you are worthy. 
you have been found righteous. You have been restored, and you are healed if you'll receive what God has done for you. By faith, reach out and just grab it. Just grab that cloak of his garment. He's here and ready to heal. Amen. Just believe. Just believe. The scripture continues on. J. Iris, we can't forget about him. And I'm not going to get to my last miracle of the day, but I'm going to finish this, this one. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told, oh, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? In other words, go away, go away. It's finished. She's already dead. Your time is up. You missed the window. You failed. And because of you, and chances are because you let this miracle happen in front of you and didn't shoo him along, now your daughter's dead. You don't think he would feel guilt for that? You and I feel guilt if someone we love passes away and we heard the still small voice to call them the day before. And we didn't. And now we live with that guilt. Jairus was being loaded right here by the enemy. He was being loaded. Why? So that he would be emotionally broke for the rest of his life. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid. Ashley, come here. This is Jairus. They're in a real big crowd. Chuck, I need you to say, don't worry. She's dead. You don't have to rush anymore. Jairus, don't listen to that. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Just believe. He didn't run. He didn't sprint. He kept walking with Jairus and reminded him, don't be afraid. Just believe. Some of you are in a situation today. It's okay. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Just believe. It's going to be taken care of. The Savior says, I went to the cross. Just believe. Just keep believing. Just keep believing. Does anyone think that maybe, just maybe, Jairus needed to see the miracle of the woman with the issue of blood to build his faith? Do you see the correlation that this was Jairus' daughter who was 12 years old that we find in Luke's gospel? And that this woman had been sick and infirmed for 12 years? And that it was Jairus' daughter? And Jesus looks at her and says, daughter, come on, maybe... If Jairus had been in a hurry to get what he thought God couldn't fix if she was dead, he would have missed the miracle that built his faith to just believe. Come on. Sometimes you and I are upset about where we're sitting. Sometimes we're upset that the miracle ain't happening straight away. Straight away, let's get there. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. And Jesus is like, come on. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Keep reading. Keep praying. Keep speaking my word. Just believe. You're going to get there. And God's word is faithful. He's never going to lie. 
He can't lie. It's against his nature, and it's already yours. If the cross is yours, healing is yours. Healing is yours. Come on. Healing is yours. Say, healing is mine. Healing is mine. Got to get it in us. Got to get it in us. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, and the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with the people, crying and wailing loudly. And then he healed them because of their wailing and crying. No. Remember that? Our emotions does not move the Lord. Faith does. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. <laughs> Any of you ever been in a doctor's office? Told them what you thought about your Savior and about the healing power of God? And they kind of chuckled. I can tell you that I've had a few just walk out and go, okay. One literally looked at me and said, yes, I understand what you're saying, but you're not hearing what I'm saying. <clears throat> and in my very coy voice, I tried to be as Christian-like as I could. I said, no, I'm not ignorant, and I hear what you are saying, but you're not hearing what I'm saying. You just told me that you've done all you can do. You just told me that without a divine touch of a miracle working God, this man's going to die. So what I'm telling you is, you've done all you can do. Now the Lord's going to do what only he can do. And now that you're out of the way, we might have a better chance. I got to be honest with you. That doctor called me two weeks ago while my parents were in her office and said, where's that daughter of yours? Let's get her on the phone. I like her. Does she have a medical background? My mom said, nope, she ain't got no medical background in there. She said, man, she's just really smart. Mom called me and said, no, that's the wisdom of the Lord. And that's someone who told you that I understand exactly what you're saying, but I'm not moved by what you're saying. We're going to be moved by what the word of the Lord says. Amen. And I'm here to tell you that they will laugh at you for what you believe. We are not in denial. We understand what the earthly circumstance is. But what you don't understand is that there's a spiritual circumstance. See, there's a spiritual covenant. There's a spiritual drop of blood from the cross. And that one drop was enough to save a world from sin and to save us from sickness and disease. I don't have to live sick. I don't have to live bound. I don't have to live emotionally broke. And I don't have to live mentally unstable. Amen. Come on. We have power. Woo. After he put them all out. Did you hear that? After he put them all out. Put them all out. Little scoffers. He took the child's father and the mother and the disciples who were with him. And he went in where the child was. He took her by the hand 
and said to her, Talitha, Koam, I don't know what that means, which means, little girl, I say unto you, get up. Immediately, someone say immediately. immediately. The girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. And he gave them strict orders not to let anyone know about this. And he told them to give her something to eat. The strict orders, don't get caught up on that. When I was a young teenager, I called dad and I said, why does Jesus keep telling him not to tell? I thought he was famous. I thought this is what he did. Like more people know, then more people get healed. Like, you know, no, it was because they would come and throng him and stop him from getting to where his purpose and call was. And there were some things that Jesus had to do. There was the business that the father had sold him and taught him to do. And oftentimes, if we don't listen to what God is saying to us and we get sidetracked, what he wanted us to get to will never get done. And there's a reason, there's a reason, trust me. There was a Bible that needed to be written and God knew what miracles he wanted in the Bible. So he had to make sure that Jesus got to those spots. Amen? He knit it all together so perfectly. Stand to your feet. I'm two minutes over time. I didn't get to the mental miracle. But here's what I want to remember, remind you of today. In the fifth chapter of Mark, there was a demoniac. He was filled with demons. Legions of demons. I mean, thousands. By the way, don't talk to demons. Don't, don't ask them their name. Don't ask them why they're there. Don't ask them what they're holding on to. That is just ludicrous. Can I just say that? That's a whole other day for a demonology topic. We can deal with that later. But listen to me. We don't talk to demons to make conversation. When Jesus showed up at the demoniac's tomb, which was a cemetery, by the way, where he was naked, homeless, been bound in chains by people trying to hold him because he would take stones and cut himself. He lived in shame. He was condemned. He was a self-harmer. He had been rejected by all society and put out because he was mental, because the demons had possessed him. When Jesus shows up at the shore, the demons literally, the demonic comes to Jesus and says, what will you have with us? Is our day here? They thought Revelation, the ninth chapter, had happened. And it was time they were going to be cast into the abyss and never more. Please don't throw us there. Throw us over here. Even the demons knew Jesus' name and knew that he was superior to them. If Christ is in you, and you in him, then what are de demons know we're superior? And by the way, not every mental illness is a demon. Not every Christian that is struggling with mental illness has a demonic possession. That's not true. I'm a believer. Nothing can live inside of me except Jesus. But they can aggravate me. They can fight against me. They can torment from an outside source. 
and try to make you believe and buy something mentally that is not yours to buy. God came to heal it all. Every physical disease in your life. I don't care what it is. I don't care if you got a patch on your head where hair don't grow and, and you, 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 you can't figure it out. You're like, why is that hair missing? I don't know. But I know this, if it matters to you, it matters to God. Now, David, I don't know about you. I, think, I don't think baldness is a sickness. I don't, I don't. I'm saying a little patch. He come to heal every physical disease every emotional broken spot in your life. Everyone, not a stone unturned. Maybe you've been through a divorce in your life and it marked you forever. And you think that you're gonna live with that and you can never get free. Lies, 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 lies. You can get free. The cross proves it. If he forgives your sins, then he deals with the divorce emotional brokenness. If he deals with the divorce emotionalness, then he deals with mental illness. He deals with depression and anxiety, bipolar, schizophrenia. Everything is under the blood. Under the blood. I'm telling you that God is here to heal today. If you are present in this house and there's a sickness in your body, Physical, emotional, or mental. Or maybe you're not a Christian and you need spiritual healing today. Maybe you're like, Pastor Nicole, I've never come to church where someone moves as much as you do and you scream like you do. That is not normal, I'm going to be honest with you. That's just the anointing of the Lord when I talk about healing because I am so passionate about it. It's time you and I stop living as sub-citizens of heaven and start living as citizens of the Almighty God. If you're here today and you want spiritual healing because you're not a Christian and you want forgiveness of sins, there's room for you here at the altar. I need you to come forward if that's you in this house today. We're going to pray just a simple prayer. And we're going to ask God to forgive you and it's going to be instant. It's going to be immediate. You're going to be saved. And you're going to notice a difference. Just like the woman with the issue of blood felt a change in her body. You will feel different in your spirit and you will know that you've been touched by God is there anyone here that says I want to know this Savior that died for me and healed me is there anyone today in this house anybody is there anybody come on down for you. Salvation for you. Today is your day. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? He broke the ice. Come on. They're already clapping. All you got to do is get out of your chair. Get out of your pew. Come on down front and say, I want Jesus as my personal Savior today. All right. Now, if there's anyone here that wants physical, mental, or emotional healing today, and you're ready, you're like, Pastor Nicole, my faith is ready. This whole faith series has encouraged my faith and brought me to the point that I'm ready to begin to believe that God is the healer again. Maybe you've had shipwrecked faith. 
And you believed God in the past for something. But it didn't come to pass the way you wanted it to. That's all right. I got some boat patch. I'm going to stick it on the bottom of your boat. We're going to pray and we're going to put your boat back in the river of faith. We're going to do it together. If that's you, come on this side, right here. Fill this altar up. I'm going to pray with this man while the altar begins to fill with people that want healing today. Pastor Rick, I'm going to ask you, come help me. You just came home from a miracle crusade. Brother Randy, you come up with me. Ross, thank you. I'm going to be right over there. Those of you that need to go, I understand you got appointments today and things to get done. Father, we just come before you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we love this church. We're glad that you... You have destined us and purposed us to be here today. I ask you to watch over our congregation members as they go. Father, I thank you, Lord, that healing has been birthed in their heart today. Father, that those maybe couldn't step out for a miracle today. Father, that next week, next week, God, you'll begin to prepare their heart in faith, Lord, and they'll receive that which you have for them. Father, keep us safe as we go in our deeds, but Father, bring someone across our path this week that needs to know the gospel that we would share with them, Father, and accept the great and mighty commission. In Jesus' name I pray. You are dismissed. Only believe we love you. If you need prayer, please stand. We are going to stay.